Hello, it is Tuesday, November 24th. I am Trent Reinsmith, and this is the latest edition of the Daily Come On Now MMA podcast. And here are the topics for today. If Dana White wants to protect the legends of the sport, maybe he should pay them enough so they can retire and not keep fighting longer than they should be. Francis Ngannou is not happy, but is that his fault or the UFC's fault? UFC fighters seem, for lack of a better term, afraid to ask the UFC for more money. And if they're uncomfortable, then they should have their managers do that. And if the manager's uncomfortable, the fighter should dump the manager and get a new manager as soon as possible. I think one takeaway from UFC 255 was that Joe Rogan is too distracting as a color commentator. Um, He's like the referee that's always inserting himself into the fight rather than just doing their job. So I would like to see Joe Rogan go. And I would also like to see uh, non-essential employees like the Octagon Girls go for at least the uh, time that we're under a pandemic and fighting without crowds. And now on with the show. I saw an interview with UFC President Dana White that he gave to ESPN in the aftermath of UFC 255. And during that interview, the discussion about Shogun Hua came up and if White wanted him to retire, and he said he did, which okay. But then he also said that, and this was another question, did he feel at times that he has to protect these fighters from themselves, the legends and and just fighters in in general that are maybe fighting too long, which I guess Hua and Anderson Silva would fall into that group. And he said he does, and he said that that's why he released Silva from his contract because he didn't want to see him fight again. Hua has two more fights on his contract, and White said he didn't want to see him fight again either. So the problem with this is a lot of these guys, they can't retire. And the reason they can't retire is because they don't have the money to retire. Yeah, there's some guys that are so, so stuck up in stuck in the competition that they refuse to retire, and that's a different situation. But if the UFC paid these folks so they could retire... Maybe that would be a different situation. And maybe it would be easier to go to a fighter and say, hey, look, this is the money we gave you for all your years of service. And thank you for that. But we have to let you go. Hopefully you have enough to retire on. If not, I mean, if, if you have questions, we can maybe help you with a money manager, set you up with someone who can talk to, re- talk to you about retirement and, and your needs. And this is, that's something that should be done up front, but it, it can also be done at the end when you sit down and look at your finances, but definitely up front. And then again, at the end of the, at the end of their run, they, they should be, you know, dealt with a little, like they are part of a family, even though we know they're really not, they're just independent contractors. But if you're going to sing that tune, then you should also back it up with action. And the UFC does not do that. So give them a little help on the, on the retirement front with managing their money and then feel a little bit better that you did all you could to send them on their way in some some kind of good financial shape. But most of all, pay them what they're worth. And that's not happening. That's never happened. So some, some of these guys are going to have to keep fighting because that's all they know. I don't know, if, I don't know if Hua and Silva are in that group. They might be. They might not be. It's hard to tell. But that group does exist. And so if you're paying the fighters 20% or less of the revenue, you're not paying them enough to retire. Maybe a handful. Maybe, you know, your Daniel Cormier's, John Jones, Conor McGregor, Habib, those kind of guys are going to have the, the, the money to retire on. But outside of that group, 
I think you'd be hard pressed to find somebody that's going to be uh, financially viable for their rest of their life. And a lot of these folks with a lot of, and a lot of professional athletes aren't looking just to provide for themselves because take, for instance, football, it's a dangerous sport. And so they know they're trying to set up not just them, but their children. They're looking to set up generational wealth. And in the UFC, currently, maybe McGregor, maybe, yeah, that's a bit all I can think of as far as generational wealth and not just, and not one generation. It's probably Conor McGregor. But let's not forget that the bulk of that money was made through the uh, Mayweather boxing matchup. And I got to think um, his outside the UFC endeavors are, are also making him more money than the UFC salary. So, or at least were before he uh, went a little nuts there. But I, I guess the whiskey is doing well. I would assume so, unless they're blowing all the money on uh, advertising budget. But McGregor's probably the only one that's going to do generational wealth in the UFC. So that's, that's another problem. Big picture, though, is if you want to be blunt, these fighters, majority of these fighters, are not paid enough to retire. So if Dana White wants to say he is protecting these fighters from themselves, pay them enough that they can retire on. And I'm not talking about everyone. I mean, ideally I am, but I know the, the reality of the situation is not everybody is going to be able to retire from the, from the UFC, but everybody that's been in the cage, you know, 20 or more times, they should be able to retire. Anyone that's been a decent, a champion for a decent amount of time, they should be able to retire. But I don't think that's the case. So pay these folks what they deserve and make a retirement, a good, safe retirement possible for, for them. Other than that, I don't want to hear about how you feel like you have to protect these fighters from themselves because if you're not paying them enough to, to live on, then you're not protecting them from anything. And now I know, and I saw this on Twitter when I tweeted this last night, that some people will be like, how many professional athletes go broke? And, and I'll, I will admit the, the number is 60% or above are broke within a few years. And I looked that up, so not just pulling it out of my ass. But that's the defense for not paying them what they want, what they're worth. I'm not going to think about how stupid that sounds removed from, from everything. If your boss or somebody told you this, I'm not going to pay you enough to retire on because you're only going to go broke. I'm protecting you by paying you less because I know you'll just spend the money and, and blow it anyway. You won't use it to retire. You'll, you'll use it to buy a car or multiple houses or, or things that will put you underwater. That's the defense. That's the defense I heard, which if someone told you that, you'd be like, it's me. It's my money. I earned that money. I'll decide what I do with it. So while yes, the number of people who go professional athletes that go broke five years or less after they retire is high, 60% or so, the other 40% do not. So the 40% that are responsible with their money, they should be punished because the 60% that are not, come on, that's silly. That's dumb. And that's no reason to not pay the fighters what they were what they're worth it's it's a ridiculous justification for underpaying anyone but it's probably one that dana white thinks about francis Ngannou's not happy but i i'm kind of confused about why he's not happy and i would have liked to hear more of the reasoning behind why he's not happy and here's what he told uh, morning combat recently I'm in a position which is very complicated. I'm in my prime age and I'm wasting time without fighting. So it's kind of frustrating. We have to get something to motivate us. We have to make money. We have to do something for fighting. Sometimes when you wake up, it's really hard to go to the gym and train because you need that motivation. Like, okay, I'm training, but for what? When will I fight? I don't know. So you have no clue about anything and it's tough to find that motivation. 
And, and then he added, if things were moving on, this wouldn't be an issue. Many divisions have three or four title defenses a year. We're talking about a division where there's been one title defense a year. So it gives a lot of complicated positions for contenders. And then they get lined up and lined up, but no one really moves. So the implication here is, well, we know that, that uh, UFC heavyweight champion Stipe Miocic is going to be out probably until March or later. So the implication here is that either the UFC is not offering Nganu fights because it wants him to fight Miocic when he is able to, or Nganu is turning down fights because he wants to fight Miocic when the fight becomes available. If it's the former, I would encourage Nganu to look at the uh, legal rights he has for this because if the UFC is not offering him fights, I think that is something they are contractually obligated to do. It might be something in there with the number one contender, but I don't believe that to be so. I think, as Dana White has said many times, he is obligated to offer fighters X number of fights per year. And if they don't offer them that, they have to pay them. And so I don't know what's going on there. And that's why I said I would have liked to have a little more information here. But what we got is what we got. And I did um, ask the UFC, but they have not got back to me about what exactly the situation is with Ngannou. And the fights are not, are not fighting um, until Miocic comes back. So if it's the situation where they're not offering him fights because they want him to match up with Miocic when he comes back, uh, then maybe seek some legal help there to, uh, to work that out. If it's Ngannou turning down fights because he wants to get the Miocic matchup when Miocic comes back, that's kind of, and I don't want to be you know down on a fighter, but that's on him. If he has the option to fight someone else and he turns it down, which is his right, but if he needs money, then he should probably accept the fight. If he needs money and he's confident that he's the number one contender, which by the rankings he is, then he should accept the fight. Take the fight, make his pay, and then if he wins, which he, he should be confident that he's going to, his pay will go up for the next time he fights. So it's a win-win in that situation. The only real reason to turn down a fight is, well, you want to make sure you get the, the title fight. Because that's where you're going to make your money. Especially if you win. You'll make your money in the next fight. Because you'll be the champion. Or you're afraid you're going to get injured. Which again could happen. Or you're afraid of bad performance. Which could move someone ahead of you. All these things could happen. But if you are legitimately feel you're the number one contender. And you're going to steamroll everyone else but the champion. Then take the fight. I don't like it. But I think that's the best option. Um, so, but if you're turning down fights just to wait for the title fight, I'm sorry, but I don't really want to hear you complain about the money then. While I understand that, it's on you a little bit that in that situation. Sure, you're underpaid because everybody's underpaid in the UFC, but if you think you're number one and the champion's out for a legitimate reason, then you almost have to take the fight. Now, if the champ's out for... Just because they want to be out, well, then that's a different story. Then maybe you can speak up a little bit and say, hey, this guy's not out for any reason other than he wants to be out and take a vacation. All right, then you might have a then you might have an angle to get an interim title fight or to move the title fight up. But if you're just waiting for the sake of waiting, that might not be the best for your pocket. So um, if the UFC does answer me on that, I'll uh, I'll follow up. Something that was briefly discussed on the, the WOCast, I think it was the WOCast, pretty sure, um, was fighters asking for money. And I, and I want to talk about that a little bit because I think there's a fear about asking for money from the fighters. One of those reasons is 
the UFC holds a grudge. Another is fear of the UFC icing the fighters and making them wait till they absolutely have to fight. Another is the UFC having a memory. If you ask for extra money and you lose and you're close to an end of a contract and you're not a big draw, they might let you explore free agency. And then when you come back, if you if you don't have a, a, a big offer, they might try and uh, lowball you for that. So there's a lot to... There's a lot to this. And, you know, two of the two fighters that had, well, three fighters that have to think about this right now are Davidson Figueredo, who is going to fight in a title fight at UFC 256 on an incredibly short turnaround. He has some leverage there because he's going to be, he's needed because he's going to fight. He's going to save a pay-per-view. So that's a, that's a situation where asking for extra money should definitely happen. Um, another fight would be the Joaquin Buckley and James Vick potential uh, grudge match because I think Vick would have to move up. And if the UFC wants to fight bad enough, maybe Vick has some 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 wiggle room there to ask for some money. And maybe even Brendan Moreno has some wiggle room to ask for some money because he's also going to fight in that in the uh, main event of uh, 256 for the for the title again, short notice and cutting weight to save a pay for you. So. They have all room to ask for more money. Now, if they don't want to or feel uncomfortable or fear the repercussions, that's what a manager's for. And if your manager is uncomfortable asking the UFC for money, then you need to get a new manager right away. So if Figueredo goes to his manager, and I don't think his manager is afraid to ask for money, and, and says, you need to get me 10 or 20% more for this, and that and that needs to roll up to every that 10 or 20 needs to be on every fight after this which is also something fighters should ask for don't just ask for it one fight ask for it to roll into the next fights otherwise it's just a one-time kind of small windfall um but yeah if your manager is afraid to do that and you want it that manager works for you and you should you should get rid of that manager and, and get a new manager at that point otherwise you're just always going to get taken advantage of by the ufc so that's what the manager's there for, and if the uh, manager's afraid to ask for you for, get extra money for you, they're not working for you. They're working for themselves or the UFC. So get rid of them and get somebody else that will work for you. I spoke a little bit about this yesterday, but I think I think it's time for Joe Rogan to go. I don't think he adds anything to the broadcast anymore. I don't think he really cares to add anything to the broadcast anymore. And so, you know, if he's not bought in and if he's only going to do 11 or 12 events a year, is it really worth it to pay him what you're paying him? You could cut some, uh, you could cut some costs and have someone else do his job. And I mean, are you buying a pay-per-view to listen to Joe Rogan? If you want to listen to Joe Rogan, you can listen to his podcast and you can hear plenty of them every day. So, I mean, if he's more invested there, then, then that's what he should do. Um, so I just don't see him adding much to the conversation. I don't see him adding much to the pay-per-views. And I don't think he's worth what they are paying him for how little he w works right now. Um, and I think he's getting in the way of things as the broadcaster than he, more than he is helping. I don't think he's... Take it, I look at it this way. It, it, you don't notice a referee until they insert themselves in a spot where they should not. And I think that's kind of what Rogan is doing right now. You should have a commentator 
color commentator calling the fights and you should not really notice them other than for information, for background, for de- for descriptions. That's their job, not to go off on a tangent and talk about how you think that the strikes are called wrong or the takedowns are called wrong while there's action going on. That's not your job. Your job's to call the fights and the stats that get broadcast during a specific fight are not the final stats. Those are gone through and looked at with a fine-tooth comb after the fight's finished. So the numbers you see during the, the broadcast, while they are important, and I wouldn't say they're meaningless, but they're a rough draft, so to speak. They're not the final numbers. So Rogan should have nothing to say about those numbers other than here they are, and they'll get, for lack of a better term, edited before they get published um, on, the, on the final site. But you notice Rogan a lot more than you should. And I think that's a detriment to the UFC's calls. And when Rogan's acting up, then someone like Cormier feels, maybe maybe feels the need to do the same. I don't know. It seems like it. It sure seems like it. So I think he's more of a distraction, and I think he's getting paid more than he's worth. And I would I would just, you know, congratulate him on his long run, congratulate him on his Spotify deal, and move on to somebody else. There's plenty of other people, and I'm sure they do it for a lot less. Another thing that you could do, the UFC could do away with, especially during the pandemic, are the octagon girls. Why do you need that during a fight in a in, in a restricted environment? Are they essential employees? And if they are, what are they essential for? Because you don't need them. You don't need them. So take that money and invest it in the fighters. That's a simple, simple savings, and it'll pay the fighters more. And if you don't invest it in the fighters, which would probably be the uh, answer the UFC will give you, then invest it in the UFC. But during a pandemic where you're fighting in front of no crowds, why do you need that? You can just display the rounds on the screen. People can see that. You don't need someone carrying a, a octagon-shaped piece of cardboard around there to let you know what round it is. I would say you don't need that ever, but you have, Dana White seems to be obsessed with keeping them on the uh, payroll for some reason. But yeah, get rid of that as well. You don't need it. Um, so I would say dump Rogan, dump non-essential employees like the Octagon Girls and reinvest that money and hopefully in the fighters. But we will see if that ever happens. And that's all I have. Until tomorrow, everyone stay safe.